Do you know that 70% of women in the United States wear a size 14 or larger? Despite this, many top brands don't carry plus size options. And if they do, they charge premium prices. At More to Love, we believe everybody deserves affordable and fashionable clothing. That is why we carry new and gently used plus size clothing for a fraction of the original price. We are located at 606 New Leicester Highway behind Wynn's Diner beside the Sonnet. This is the Joanna Patrice Haggerty Show, where I invite the most innovative leaders, artists, and creative business owners to share their experiences, processes, practical tips, and inspirations. Today with me is Melissa Hyman, a musician, songwriter, and educator born to a musical family and raised in the New York City area. She's been living in Asheville since 2007 and began working full-time as a touring musician in 2009. Her primary instruments are cello and voice. Melissa's longtime musical projects include The Moon and You, an expandable, collapsible band with herself and husband Ryan Furstenberg at its core, Cowboy Judy, a country Motown supergroup with Dulcie Ellenberg, Amanda Ann Platt, and Amber Sankaran, and The Heartbeat Sessions, a collaboration between local arts and healthcare nonprofit Arts for Life and Echo Mountain Recording Studio. Melissa recently joined one of her all-time favorite bands, Tina and Her Pony, on electric bass. She has been teaching music and art lessons to pediatric patients and their families at Mission Hospital for Arts for Life since 2011 and began teaching rock bands at French Broad River Academy in late 2020. She has been the Children's Program Coordinator at Warren Wilson's College Swannanoa Gathering since 2012, directing a three-week camp for children aged 5 to 18. Melissa also teaches private lessons on ukulele, guitar, cello, songwriting, and music theory basics. She lives in West Asheville with her husband and two dogs. I brought Melissa on today to talk about all things creative, but first, Melissa, thank you for coming on my show today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for reading that extremely long bio that I said. Oh my God. Honestly, sometimes I cut it out, but like when I was looking at it, I just felt like every bit of it was so valuable valuable for people to hear. So no, that was my choice. I wanted it. Everyone needed to know how awesome you are. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, whenever I try to write a new bio, it's like, it's just there's a lot going on. And bio writing is so strange as someone, I know you do a lot of the back end of the business. It's such a strange thing. So I thought it was actually beautiful and there's so much to unpack here. But first, what I always do is I love to just wind the clock back on my creatives who show up and say, what was young life for Melissa like, especially growing up in a musical and creative family? Um, that is a great question. (laughs) My, um, strongest musical and creative memories, uh, from childhood come from the get togethers that my mom would have. Um, both of my folks, I think liked having people over. My dad had a string quartet that came over from time to time to rehearse just for fun. And that was always, I feel like that was impactful on me, but even more so were my mom's parties where, um, she would have like lots of friends and extended fam- extended family come over and just like jam and play all these like Aww. old you know folk rock songs from the sixties that they <laughs> grew up with and um, there was tons of harmonizing and way too many guitars. And- <laughs> 
Can you have too many guitars? Is that actually a thing? In my view, <laughs> this is just my own opinion. The cellist possible. and the vocalist. Yes, that's fair. Okay. But, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody's got their own thing. Um, and honestly, I, I mean, these were just like such formative and positive experiences for me. And they always involved a component of arts and crafts as well to mm. keep all the kids busy. So when I wasn't part of the musical circle I was you know with my cousins and my best friend just like making things out of Sculpey and like doing giant tissue paper flowers and you know whatever the the art project of the moment was and so I feel like just creative activity in general and music in particular were were huge parts of my upbringing and are huge parts of my working and and social life now you know I I want to ask, and this might be something that is almost a little hard for you to see, maybe, maybe not, but as someone who sort of has immersed themselves, you know, and was immersed in the creative lifestyle, do you feel like that that made it easier for you to step into the work that you do now? Or do you feel like that maybe you would have just tenaciously bore through even if your parents desperately wanted you to be doctors? Like, I'm just curious what that feeling is like. Do you felt really supported by your family in this process? You know, I always have. And and when I was um, younger, I remember my dad telling me more than once that <laughs> music is not really a viable career. Oh, and my he gosh. He wasn't being <laughs> discouraging. He, he was an IT guy whose passion Ooh. was violin. And he had gone for his MFA in the 70s. He didn't finish it until I was an adult. But he had, um, you know, studied violin at, at the graduate level but the the takeaway that he had come out with basically was like you're gonna have to get a different kind of job and mm. you can play music all your life but mm. don't lean on it for your living but then when I started um you know playing and teaching music for a living by that point my dad had totally switched careers and had become a music teacher and I think he's been really proud to see me kind of follow in his footsteps Mm. um, and do a lot of the same things that he does for work and for fun. Um, And my mom is just, and I mean, she's, (laughs) she's many things, but one of them is (laughs) an endlessly supportive parent. Mm. You know, she, she has her, she's always had strong opinions about our lives, but she has always, it it comes down fundamentally to um, she's really proud of us no matter what. And Mm. um, that has, both of both of them have been really helpful to me in in many ways in in um, building a life as a professional creative. And it sounds like a little bit to me that your dad wanted to see the opportunity of arts as a more viable option, but that right. was maybe a little of the societal conversation that that. Mm we have to really break through. And I just really personally think that you and Ryan both, you guys really are standing on that ground of being creatives and living that life. And that makes it easier for those of us to carve our own paths out too. So I I also applaud you just like your parents and I'm highly supportive of you too. Thank you so much. <laughs> that means the world. That's so yeah. Well, you're just amazing. So let's kind of you know, take it a little further. Remind me, did you go to school for music as well? No, I should have. Um, (laughs) You know, it's one of the, I laugh about this whenever I think about it. One of the dumbest (laughs) thoughts I ever had (laughs) was as a teenager, I had studied to that point, I had taken some piano lessons. I'd studied a lot of cello and had played the saxophone for a couple of years 
And I really honestly thought, Joanna, I was like, well, I know all about music. I don't need to study music. How crazy is that? No well, one will ever know all about Here's music. the secret, though, Melissa. Is that was the age. It would have been the same with anything. If right. you had been riding ponies for two years, you would have thought you knew everything yeah. about that. So, <laughs> so dumb. But yeah, so I, I did start as a studio art major in college and, and oh, wow. was really interested in pursuing art therapy as a career career. Um, but I went to the University of Vermont. I didn't have a lot of options. My mm-hmm. high school journey was uh, checkered. And so <laughs> colored, to, shall yeah, we say. It was, it was colorful. <laughs> so the, the one school I got into, um, the University of Vermont, which was a great place for me, did not have a large enough art department mm. to graduate on time. Mm. As an art major, you had to like wait around until you could get into the required classes you needed. So I just ended up taking a bunch of different random stuff that I was interested in and finally landing on Spanish as a major. But I did do some chamber music um, as like an extracurricular in college. And I think that really helped me continue studying cello in a way that helped me grow as a as a player um, and kept me like, you know, reading music and, and, you know, practicing those skills that if you don't use them, you lose them. So and I'm, maybe I'm even in a more free and creative way too. You know, yeah. sometimes I know people who go through the school route have, you know, mixed feelings about that process too, that there's good yeah. and bad in all the scenarios. So how did you kind of get from college down into Asheville and starting to become a full-time musician then? <laughs> well, my next step after graduation from University of Vermont. Two weeks later, I was in Switzerland working oh as an au pair wow. for a year. And I um, was still at that point with my first love, my college boyfriend. And he and I, at some point towards the end of my year abroad, we planned to move to Asheville together with another close friend of ours, actually, from mm. college. And then I came back and he broke up with me. <laughs> And my other friend had met a girl in Vermont and was like, I'm not going to move to Asheville either. And so I was like, well, I don't have a car. So would you please just drive me there? <laughs> please get me there. <laughs> and he very kindly did. I will never forget that road mm. trip. So um, so I, I ended up here in 2007. My cousin had just moved here from Memphis with her girlfriend at the time. It's really hard to be gay in Memphis and much yeah, much imagine. more welcoming here. So she had moved here not long before and was like, you'll love it. Just come stay with us until you get on your feet. Um, so that was that was huge, too, that I had that family support and stayed with them for about six months before I moved out into my own place. And I, at that point, like, I really was not in any way considering becoming a musician <laughs> Uh, as a job, I was looking at pastry school nice. and I, and AB tech has a great program for that. Oh, yeah. There was like a very clear crossroads moment in my life where, uh, this was like, I think in early 2008 when I was just like, I either I'm going to go to pastry school and play music very little for the rest of my life, or I'm going to become a musician and bake from time to time for the rest mm. of my life. What, which one would be more important and more satisfying to me? And I went with music and I, I'm really glad that I did. Wow. I love that. Not, I didn't know that about you. I, I feel like I've seen your love of baking, but I didn't realize how deep it went. I'm curious, what is one of the reasons you feel like you're glad that you chose music? I think that the, um, the culture and the social aspect of mm. being a musician suits me better than I'm, 
I can't say for sure, but that sure. what I've observed from afar of like the world in kitchens and, and the little bit of food service experience that I have and, and close friends that have done a lot um, and have gone to pastry school and have worked a lot in restaurants. I just think that the social side of, of being a musician suits me better than the social side of being in the restaurant world. Yeah. Uh, and both are pretty tough on the body, but I yeah. think I'm pretty sure that baking is harder on, on you. Well, um, and I'd say there's a little more autonomy, especially after years of, of sure. working in the music world. You get a little more right of saying yes or no. Yes. Typically rates increase after you've been an established band for a little while. So mm -hmm. I can imagine that a little bit of that creative freedom and the connection part, that's something I really see very strongly about both yeah. you and Ryan that pulls together Moon and You so beautifully. That yeah. community impact is so important. And I love that you talked about considering going to school for art therapy or something and didn't have that because you've been working with this program arts for life since mm -hmm. 2011 and i'm so curious to talk a little bit more about that and just kind of unpack that if you don't mind yes i love talking about my work with arts for life it yeah. is um a, a lot of what we do is similar in some ways to art and music therapy um, but we're not licensed art or music therapists mm -hmm. and our role is to be in the children's hospitals across the state um, basically in both the I mean things are different pre-COVID since sure since COVID but <laughs> like for everyone and everything but the, yeah the you know what we've been doing since what Arts for Life has been doing since 2001 is um, providing art tables at outpatient clinics mm -hmm. for kids. So uh, a social area where kids can, when they show up for their appointments, that can be scary and painful. Yeah. Instead of only anticipating that, they can look forward to doing art with a favorite teacher, seeing other patients that they've grown to become friends with at the art table and really have this um, creative outlet. And yeah. then we're also in the inpatient children's hospitals, and that looks a little bit different. It's not so much a table uh, for some of our programming areas. It's more just like what I do at Mission is walk around uh, the pediatric unit and the PICU, the pediatric ICU, mm -hmm. with a cart full of instruments. And mm. I knock on doors and just see like who's up for what that day. <laughs> and so it's a real mixed bag. And I, I can offer art and music lessons to kids. So um, not all of our teachers do both, but uh, I really enjoy having that flexibility and having this incredible resource of just hundreds or thousands of art projects that Arts for Life has developed over the years and really high quality materials. And so we can offer this respite um, for kids and families in the hospital, we can give a uh, board sibling an opportunity to express themselves and do something really fun. We can get everybody laughing together or making noise together or making art together um, in a hospital room that a few minutes before was tense and quiet and um, not super fun. And so I really, really value these opportunities that I have as an Arts for Life teacher to bring art and music programming into these situations where um, otherwise it's it can be kind of bleak and scary and painful. Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about this. If we did, it probably would be a long time ago in our history. But my college degree is um, in what they call child life specialist, which yes. is oh, that's so cool. 
<laughs> which is similar to some of that, you know, mm -hmm. kind of art and play therapy. It's really bringing this ability to process what's going on from an emotional level and sometimes even from a real physical level, right? Mm -hmm. The child life specialists will sometimes like mock the procedure, mock whatever's going Medical on. Medical play. Exactly. Yeah. Just give the kids an opportunity to understand better what's happening to their bodies. Yeah. I mean, and that was a four-year college degree. I went to school. Yeah. I did an internship in New Zealand. I studied oh, all cool. of the human development and why the psychology behind bringing arts and creativity was so valuable. And I just, duh, right? But also yes. that's not necessarily something that's really as well known as I think it should be. <laughs> yeah. I I love that so much. I'm, I'm so happy to learn that about you because the child life specialists are the folks that we work most closely with in the hospital. And at least in our Asheville chapter, um, they are incredible allies to us and they provide us with so much information and support um, and communication assistance and all sorts of there's so many ways that the child life team at mission makes our impact greater and makes our mm. lives and jobs easier. And I think it says a lot about you that you chose that <laughs> as an academic path. That's so cool. Oh, shout out to all the child life specialists. Yes. You know, what's super funny is when I first moved to town, I applied for one part-time job in child life specialist at mission and didn't oh, get wow. it because I didn't have enough experience and then just never looked back and like yeah. <laughs> really used the work that I do, did mental health work, integrated a lot, obviously now working on the artist side yeah. and sort of bringing more the structure and the systems that I was doing sort of in the medical policy side to entrepreneurs. So it's yes. a very weird flip, but I do love that there's this overlay and you have to talk a little bit about the heartbeat sessions, right? Like yes. where did this come from? How did this come about? I mean, they have made me just fall buckets. That's me too. They make me cry every single time. You're amazing. Um, if you like to cry, go to heartbeatsessions.org. Um, okay, so the, the heartbeat sessions actually are at a really pivotal moment right now. Um, but the way it started is that I, one of the child life specialists at Mission brought to my attention a guy named Brian Schrank, um, who was at the Cincinnati Children's hospice or Cincinnati Children's Hospital, but he was working with patients with terminal and severe illnesses, which is something that we do a lot at Arts for Life. Mm -hmm. um, and he had this idea to take a tiny little condenser microphone and put it inside a stethoscope and record patients' heartbeats yeah. before they passed. And then use that heartbeat as a rhythm element in a piece of music that he would create um, just like by himself on his keyboard with a microphone, you know, just very simple. And I thought it was like a really beautiful project. Yeah. And I tried to get in touch with him actually, and he didn't uh, want to talk to me, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe That's he was fine. busy. We don't know what the reason <laughs> Around the time I learned about this, I was at Echo Mountain for a session with River Wireless. Mm. I think I was just singing back up and clapping my hands, <laughs> um, which is really fun. And yeah. I was talking to Jessica Thomason, who manages the studio and is an incredible human being. Um, just one of the most hardworking and creative and generous people I've ever met. I am such a fan of Jessica Thomason's. Mm. And when I told her about this idea and I, I wanted to expand on it and bring it into a, a real studio with lots of musicians and create more high quality um, music with this this basic idea of like using a child's um, heartbeat as as this sort of kick drum. And when I told Jessica about it, she was like, let's do it at Echo. I'm down. <laughs> she And so Echo Mountain had has donated the space and time 
for every single session, which is huge because, yeah, it, yeah I mean, that's a huge, um, that, that's not an e a simple expense, shall we say? <laughs> right, right. It's not a small consideration yeah, in any yeah. way. And so we did um, eight heartbeat sessions over the course of a couple years. I want to say it was 2016 to 2018. Mm -hmm. So it was like, the first one was right after the 2016 election. I remember that vividly wow. because it was extremely helpful and uplifting for all of us involved to get in the mm. studio and do something beautiful. Um, and then at the end of 2018, um, I was talking you know, with my supervisor about plans for the coming year and it was all about the heartbeat sessions. And then all of a sudden something changed and um, I got a call from the executive director at the time to say the the heartbeat sessions are canceled indefinitely mm. and it was a real i i really grieved i'm sure uh, it was because the like i mean not to make it about me <laughs> but <just> like <laughs> my own experience of the heartbeat sessions was that it was the most exciting and fulfilling and um and deeply meaningful work experience of my life it was the yeah. it was a project that was completely unique in all of the I mean I've had so many jobs because I always have five or six jobs at once <laughs> I I mean it was um it meant so much to me and the people involved the patients we had worked with some of them had passed yeah. um some of the musicians that worked on heartbeat sessions have passed including um uh Doug oh gosh I'm gonna sorry I shouldn't do this because I'm gonna blank on people's names because I'm anxious <laughs> about not blanking on people's names I Ruby get Mayfield. that yeah <laughs> the great Ruby Mayfield was like <clears throat> one of our heartbeat sessions and she has since passed away um and so you know there's just so much meaning there for me and so we are bringing them back in 2022 Ooh, that is the best news ever I've been waiting a long time for this and we've been um just starting to plan our first session of the year right now. So it's, we're at a very exciting turning point and I'm excited uh, beyond words to bring mm. back this project and get back in the studio with, with my friends. Melissa, that just warms my heart. And I've, I've listened to them all. I think they're amazing. Again, cried buckets. Let's just give the listeners since we have to wrap the show, how can people find out more about you, what you do, work with you, learn about heartbeat sessions? Where do they go? All the things. Okay. <laughs> first of all, to learn about, the heartbeat sessions you can go to heartbeatsessions.org to learn more about arts for life you can go to artsforlifeanywhere.org mm -hmm. um, and four is spelled out f-o-r um, to learn more about the moon and you you can go to our website which is useful because it has a contact page uh <laughs> is not up to date uh, ever <laughs> But that's themoonandyou.com, or you can find our music at themoonandyou.bandcamp.com and on all the streaming platforms. I haven't talked about my band Cowboy Judy, but um, mm. you mentioned it in the bio. That's my country Motown super group with just incredible, um, super talented women, and that is cowboyjudy.com. And I think that... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Tina and the Pony. Tinaandthepony.com? I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Tinaandherpony.com. And her pony. I'm there excited. we go. Yeah. I, uh, I just took up the bass, the electric bass, a, a couple months ago, and I'm a fully obsessed and uh, very excited to be a bassist now. So. I love <laughs> check, it. Check well, out Tina's new project. Thank you for being here and for bringing all of your wealth and all of your creativity to Asheville and beyond, really. 
Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be part of this awesome series. And just to know you and, and get to talk to you is such a pleasure. Thank you. And as always, this is the Joanna Patrice Haggerty Show, where we share tips and tools of our community's most innovative entrepreneurs, artists, and creative business owners. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please connect by visiting bizradioashville.com. I'd love to hear your show suggestions. And as always, stay creative. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.